Hello and welcome to Vikings Territory Breakdown. I'm I'm your host uh, Joe Oberly from uh, senior writer at uh, VikingsTerritory.com and PurplePTSD.com, and joined each week by my co-host Mark Craig, NFL insider and Vikings writer for the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Mark, uh, how you doing? It's uh, it's getting down there where you got to get your camp face on. You already had your little vacation to Cleveland where you hit your new low score in golf. And I'm such a nice guy that I'm going to let people know that you shot a 70 flipping three. Wow. A a three over. It it was the weirdest round. I've I've been playing this game for over 40 years or no, geez, about 50 years. Uh, And I've never had a round where I didn't like screw up at some point. So uh, (laughs) I, I kept waiting for the ball to go into someone's house or neighborhood and it kept going down the middle. It was awesome. So yeah, yeah. It uh, it's rare maybe for guys like us, but for you, that's uh, that's that's. I mean, really I mean no, I'm, I'm that that wasn't my point. I'm just saying, hey, congratulations. That's a huge deal. Uh, I'm very envious. I've never hit that low. So, um, I uh, when we play this afternoon, I hope that uh, you blow up like hell. Uh, nice. And I could and I could beat Kirk Kirk uh, when I, I was doing a golf store for your uh, the Minnesota Golfer magazine. Right. He guesses he's about a an eleven, um, which is nice. I'm, that's about what I am. And uh, but he's never he's never broken eighty. He he admits to uh, you know like like all of us like for you know when you get close to breaking eighty you choke. And so uh, so Kirk even though he's been in the, the big arenas and everything. Uh, he still gets nervous and chokes when he's playing with his buddies trying to break 80. So. <laughs> Did you tell him about your 73? Uh, I, I'm not like on a daily talking business okay. with him. I, this is bad. I, I talked to him a while ago. So uh, All right. Well, uh, speaking of Kirk, we're going to talk to him about, about him in the next segment. He had kind of a big splash recently with the, uh, the quarterback series on Netflix. So we'll talk about that next segment. First, we wanted to – we wanted to highlight a, a poll we did here on Vikings territory and purpleptsd.com was that, you know, what's the most uh, concerning position that uh, battle going into to training camp and, and the readers of the website settled on the cornerback position as being the one of the most concern uh, right out of the gate. Mark, would you agree with that going in that, that uh, there's a lot to be concerned about there? Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that shows you, I mean, the, one thing, fans are much more intelligent than they used to be. I mean, you know, years, decades ago, like we can make fun of fans or, or say things about them, but I mean, they 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 know. And, and yeah, that's spot on. I mean, that's it, it. I won't. I don't want to really call it the weakest position. I, I just say it's it's the biggest question mark because we don't know. I mean, there's so many every, from top to bottom. You know, it's it's a question mark. You know, we don't know how they're going to be. Maybe these guys are younger legs and they're going to be healthy and they're going to play well, but we just don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, moving parts to it. In fact, this week, the Vikings cut John Reed, a uh, veteran cornerback with four years experience. And, you know, at the same time, you're seeing uh, all these rumors about Vikings with who do have some cap space, still wanting to uh, might want, you know, they're, they're, rumored to be interested in different cornerbacks out there. And one of them most recently was cornerback, free agent cornerback, Eli Apple, uh, formerly of the Bengals, you know, um, at this point, you know, I don't know any of the uh, uh, options out there are great or going to improve it remarkably, but 
Um, do you know of, have you heard of any of that kind of steam at all with any, any rumors that they still might be looking for a, to sign another? Well, club? yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts for them, you know, with what, what are they going to do with Daniil? What are they, I mean, are, are they going to, uh, how, how are they going to handle Jefferson's contract? Is it now? Is, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we were talking about this a few weeks ago where I said, you know, uh, an edge rusher, I would like to see one of these older, uh, these rent-a-rushers that you that you can get when they're in their 30s, uh, that they would need another one of those guys. And then I also threw out the Marcus Peters, uh, 30-year-old corner, you know, played for the for the Ravens last year, 13, I think, games uh, for last year, 27 starts in the last two years with the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, anything at this point you're going to get, it's going to be are going to be older guys that are that are uh, right now. They're probably just waiting for the best uh, situation. They're not. They're not. There's no advantage to them to sign early. They're, you know, they're kind of sitting back and waiting. Guys who can still play in the league. Eli Apple is the one that fits with the Vikings and the rumors and everything because of all the guys that have experience at that position. He's the youngest. He's 27. He's going to be turn, turning 28 here next month. So he's not the 30 year old. Uh, I guess you you know. I do feel like, yeah. I mean, what, why, what's the harm if you got some room to get a, an experienced guy in there? You can always cut him if you if you don't need him. I mean, they've in, in years past, there's been guys that have come in at that position who, you know, you get them because you, you think they're you know you want their experience, and then they can't play anymore, and you get rid of them. Uh, but then, you know, on the other hand, be careful that you're just getting a name. I mean, you know, Bashad Breland came in as a name guy, had played in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs, and uh, and it was a disaster. He couldn't play anymore. And um, so, yeah, I, I would think that they're, they're yeah, they're, they are looking. I would, they should be looking for some more experience in that position. You know, they lost five guys last year uh, from last year's team. The ones that, you know, like Dantzler had experience, but I, I, that to me is, I'm okay with that, with him not being back. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, I, I never trust, you don't trust him. He didn't get any better. He just can, he got you know worse than he did from his rookie year. You know, send him on if he plays well somewhere else. That's a feast, feast or famine with him. Yeah, uh, uh, Sullivan losing Sullivan. I, I, I would roll the dice with someone with one of these other guys maybe being uh, capable of doing that. Uh, but the ones you miss, you know, Patrick Peterson, Duke Shelley, uh, Peterson would have looked really good. You know, even though he's thirty three, to have that presence, the fact that he's proven to to, to be durable at his age, you knew that he was taking care of himself. You knew that. Uh, he would have been nice coming back, but I think Pittsburgh just gave him a, too good a deal to turn down. Duke Shelley was a guy on the rise, uh, but again, you know the, the Raiders out, you know, gave him more money than the Vikings could give him. Uh, Chris Boyd was a you know, special teamer, but he, he played maybe I think 37 snaps on defense last year. He, he maybe he was a guy who could have slid in uh, and played a little corner, but he, he he basically was a special teams guy. That I don't know how good a corner he was going to be. So yeah, you come in, you know, you're. you're Guys, there's question marks everywhere. I mean, it's it's everywhere, and how do they answer? And uh, boy, it'd be it's hard to picture all five of them, you know, coming through the way that the Vikings hope, which is scary. Yeah. Whenever you when you look at the you know quarterbacks, the most important position, and the next two, you know, uh, pass rusher and and a cover corner, you know, corners. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot of. Not willing to call it the weakest position, but uh, it's the one that would be the scariest if I'm a Vikings fan. Maybe it's the one with the most question too. You know, I mean, is is it going to be 
You got Murphy. He's probably going to be, you think he's going to be the uh, slot corner and then that, you know, maybe Booth and Caleb Evans are the other two guys or, or. Well, the, the way I see it playing out is Murphy is, you know, when they're not, when they're not in the nickel, Murphy is one of your outside guys. I mean, Murphy is their crown, the crown jewel of, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's 25. He missed, uh, how many games last year? He missed like um, uh, eight games last year with a back injury. It wasn't, yeah. he didn't have back surgery. But he, he, you know, he missed eight games. With, you know, he was hurt last year. Uh, he comes in. He's got uh, you know, 48 starts, 56 games. He's 25 years old. He's your he's your your number one guy, and he, so he'll be you on. Should the field. Had, you had back surgery. Look what it did for your goal. I, I know. See, did he shoot a 73 after back surgery at 100 <laughs> years old? Uh, no, but no, he's, he's he's your main guy, number one guy. And whenever they go to Nikola. He has the skills that they they've you know believe that he can move inside and play the nickel, and then uh, you know the next you know top five guys are, are Murphy, uh, Juwan. I mean, not this is not in order. Juwan Williams, uh, Booth, uh, Caleb Evans, and that rookie uh, Mecky Blackman. So one's a rookie. Uh, Murphy missed uh, half the year last year with uh, with a back injury. Juwan Williams, who looks like a giant safety, six three two twelve. Uh, was a second-round pick of the Patriots in 2019. Didn't play at all last year because of a shoulder injury. He's kind of the dark horse. He's the one that I think is going to sneak in and surprise us if he's healthy because, mm-hmm. man, he looks the part and he looks like he, you know, and Belichick drafted him in the second round. Uh, and he did, but he only, I think he only had one start in the two years that he was with, two or three years he was with the, the Patriots. Uh, you know, Booth is a guy that, you know, has been injured since he, you know, to learn how to walk he might he might have strained something this you know, when he uh, look look he's walking oh he pulled a hamstring you know i mean he's been injured forever uh and so you know last year he had he had the ankle in the preseason i think got hurt in the practice with the 49ers had a quadriceps that, that kept him out of the starting lineup and then when he did finally start to play he had knee surgery so you know you got him and then evans had three it was on concussion protocol three times last year and Blackman's a rookie. So, you know, that's your that's your top five. And each one of them, it's like, you know, there's not a, uh, you know, we were saying like with Patrick Peterson with his age, but knowing Patrick and, and the and the way he took care of himself and he's a, he's one of these pros, pros, you know, you, he didn't feel as, I didn't feel as uncomfortable with his age last year because he takes care of himself and he's, he's a proven guy. And, but this year, wow. I mean, there's, there's nobody that's proven. No, you're not going to walk up to camp and just know it, it's going to be a position battle. I mean, you don't know who's uh, who's going to win it, and if they can hang on to it, if they can stay healthy or not. You know, it's it's a it is a concern this year, and and uh, you know when you mentioned the concerns that uh, with the Neil Hunter, that's that affects the cornerback play immensely if you have a, a decent pass rush or not. So it's still a huge question, but I'm sure Brian Flores will figure it all out, right, Mark? Well, yeah, and as far as starting, I mean, I, I like Evans better than I do Booth. I trust Evans more, and that's that's hard to say when a guy's spent three, you know, three times in the concussion protocol in right. one year. But I just like him as he's a. I think he's a better player, um, and you know, maybe Booth just isn't able to show us enough. Like yeah, we haven't year. seen enough from him. Um, but you know, I think uh, when there are just two corners on the field, I think it's it's uh, Murphy and uh, and and Evans. And then when they go to three, I think Booth comes in, plays the outside, and and Murphy slides inside. Uh, and even on top of that, you're going to need another guy to step up. And you know, Williams, I think 
could be that guy. Um, is that a normal maneuver, Mark? When you know to have the guy, the guy that starts on the outside and then he moves inside when when they go to the nickel, or wouldn't well, you? Well, Winfield di Winfield did it. Did he? His whole career, Winfield was okay. great at it, and um, yeah, I mean that that's you know that's not unusual. Uh, you know, uh, Sullivan last year was a guy that you know just played the nickel. Well, your nickel is on the field. Uh, probably more than you, yeah. you're in the nickel, probably more than you are not in the nickel. So uh, there's got to be, you know, when you're talking about, you know, starters, you're, you're basically looking at three guys. You know, right. You're, you're going to need. And then you got to, when they were dinged up and stuff, you, you got to gotta have more. You made the point earlier about uh, some of the running backs, or the running backs, quarterbacks still sitting out there kind of waiting till camp comes and uh, for their, you know, when when things get down to it and there it's a better opportunity for him to sign with somebody when when someone maybe becomes desperate or not something but it just reminds me of the fact that there's a heck of a lot of running backs out there right now in the same mold i mean you've got dalvin cook for sure but then you've got uh uh i think ezekiel Elliott's unsigned uh saquon barkley is crabby and jordan uh, or the guy uh, Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, out at the Raiders is is also not happy. So it's like all these big name running backs out there, and they're probably going to wait until camp starts and and the pieces drop in like they do. Is it, would you think? Yeah, I mean, I think they're all. You know, everyone's upset with the market and where it's going, and you know, compared to receiver, receivers going up toward the quarterback, and and the running backs are going down toward the kickers. I think you know so. Uh, it's not something new, um, but some of these guys, you know, like Ezekiel and, you know, when they sign their big deals, you know, you know it's not, they aren't going to, they're not going to realize all of that money just because running right. backs come and go. And uh, it's unfortunate for running backs, but that's just the way it is. That's the reality of it. You know, you can, teams can find running backs that they can, that they can win with that are seventh round and, and, you know, there's a lot of them. They're not all great like uh, Dalvin Cook, but yeah. you can win with guys that you don't have to give all that kind right. of money to. It would have been nice to see uh, Dalvin play this year. Um, however, it worked out. I you know I know that the he they had to got to let him go, but if you know, he was on the team for for a while after they after they get had to get down to the cap and everything, mm -hmm. if it could have been worked out because it's not like you know Dalvin Cook, you know. Financially, it didn't work out, but talent-wise, there's still a year there where you could have gotten a lot, you know, of more, you know, good play out of him. Uh, but it just didn't, you know, he obviously wasn't willing to do it, to work with him in any way. Uh, they weren't willing to, you know, give him that money, and so it didn't work out. But he, you know, he'll get he'll 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 get paid. He's not going to get paid what he thinks he should get paid, uh, but I'm sure he'll be happy in Miami or wherever wherever he ends up. I. Uh... You know, it's interesting. I, I, I think the, I understand how the running back position has been devalued. I think they're getting hosed a little bit there. You know, because uh, it, you know all the money's got to go to the quarterbacks and the, and the receivers and the edge rushers and what have you. But uh, you know, I don't blame Saquon Barkley for being ticked. I mean, uh, his quarterback, I can't even think of his name now, got got paid big time and. I think he only deserves the money he gets, like $35 million if he plays the Vikings defense from last year every week. But, you know, uh, I, I I can understand. Saquon Barkley's got to be a big part of that offense for to make 
uh, Jones, what, is, what is his name? Who's the quarterback from the Giants? Jones or? Yeah, uh, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Daniel Jones, yeah. I mean, to make him effective, he needs someone like Saquon. Now, can you throw anybody in there? I suppose you can. And still get what you need to, I, I don't know. But so well, I, I don't blame you know, Saquon for being mad. Well, it's not it's not just anybody. It, it I mean, like the Chiefs, you know, pick up a guy, you know, 10 spots from the end of the draft. And, and he's a electric, yeah. electric player. He's not a. You know, he's not a 1,500-yard rusher or whatever, but he's a he's a big part of the offense, and and they win, and you know that's just um, you know, that's just and also Saquon Barkley. There was a couple of years where you know he he was gone. You know, he, yeah, I mean, he was always he was hurt. Um, yep. So so it's like one of those where you you, you give the money, you got to be careful that you you know because these guys will get hurt. And like Christian McCaffrey with the 49ers last year was fantastic, but. Christian McCaffrey had about a two or two, at least two years where, you know, his inability to stay healthy got, you know, the guys in Carolina fired because if he was, you know, whenever everything was wrapped around him and he was healthy, they, they, that was a hell of a team. Whenever he wasn't hurt, that team will disappear. So wow. uh, it's a lot, you know, you just don't see teams you know, like Derrick Henry in Tennessee. Uh, you know, so you don't see that anymore uh, where it's built around the running back. And even that's gone away from Derrick Henry a little bit because he did get hurt uh, yeah. last year or the year before. It's built around the quarterback, and that's why Netflix had a series on the quarterback. Oh, how about that one? Oh, uh, there's a segment. What a transition. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that in the next segment. So come on back to Vikings Territory Breakdown Podcast. All right, welcome back, folks, to Vikings Territory Breakdown with Mark Craig from the Star Tribune, Mr. 73, we call him. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark, while you were out vacationing, uh, you had a chance, as did I, to to stream some of that new Netflix series the, uh, called Quarterback, uh, which got a lot of attention last week, certainly around here. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of uh, places like podcasts and and social media and stuff were, were talking. I mean, Kirk Cousins was on doing radio behind it because uh, it was a series with – that went behind the scenes, kind of like the full swing series they had on the PGA Tour from last year. But this one followed Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. And it was really kind of interesting, uh, uh, you know, in, for a lot of reasons. It was on football, on field stuff, but it was also off field stuff. And they were mic'd up the whole year. And I think uh, it ended up revealing a lot about uh, certainly. Uh, uh, pertinent to this market is uh, Kirk Cousins, his personality, his his uh, his relationship with uh, players, his feelings about the game, uh, the the fact that uh, you know for you know there, there's a number of things I wanted to ask you about. I know some things you wanted to talk about, but uh, for me, you know, the two things that stuck out right out the gate was I mean their their cameras were so close. And they had so many v- shots of, of Kirk getting drilled last year. He was the most hit quarterback in the league. And I think over the last three years, he's, he's, he's been that, has the highest number. And some of those, you know, I, I, close in views of it with the mic on were, were, were tough to see. You can imagine that guy, especially during the Buffalo game and the game that preceded that camp. He was getting drilled a lot. And uh, the other thing was how, how, how wired Kirk Cousins is. My goodness, I you know I know the game. I don't think it exactly slows down for him like it does for maybe a Mahomes or a, a, an Aaron Rodgers. I think maybe because Kirk gets hit too much, he's 
wired up and, you know, looking around and, and, you know, we always kind of figured he had a little bit of happy feet. Um, but the fact is he took all his hits cause he hung in there and, and, uh, to the last minute to get some of those passes off. But so it's a little bit of both, but anyway, uh, those are some of my impressions. I got more, but go ahead. What did you think of the series and, and, uh, Kirk in particular? Well, I, I saw the first, I think I've seen the first four, um, no, and, and you're, you know, the hits when you talk, and Kirk's an average sized guy. I mean, yeah. Kirk's, Kirk's kind of the, if you didn't recognize the face, I mean, you know, like Josh, uh, Josh Allen or Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. um, you know, those guys are, are, you know, they're huge quarterbacks. Um, you know, Kirk's standing in there and Kirk's, you know, I mean, I guess he's uh, a little bit bigger than the air, but he's, you know, he's, he's not frail, obviously, but he, right. um, he's put together well, but he's not a big guy. You know, so, uh, I came away thinking, you know, I think the reason like some people don't like Kirk is because they feel like he tries too hard to be the perfect, like a Ken doll. You know, it's like, yeah, I always, always say that, you know, I always, when I tell people, it's like, you know, why do you think people don't like Kirk? And it's like, I, I, I just say, well, uh, sometimes I think he's afraid to be, him, just be himself, but I think maybe this is Kirk. You know, I always yeah. feel like he's trying to, he's trying to, to, to airbrush his image, you know, all the time. And, uh, almost like trying to be too perfect, a Ken doll, you know? Uh, but I came away looking at this and it's like, um, it, it makes him look, to me, looks like a likable guy because yep. Yep. Um, I think and we knew a lot about you know, how his mind works and his mind's so it's processing all the time, but came away at the other thing. No, no one's tougher than Kirk Cousins. I mean, if you look, you want toughness, people admire toughness. You know, nobody can say he isn't a tough SOB. Yeah. I mean, and, and the other thing is, I don't think anyone could say that he doesn't try to win it, it, as hard as anybody in the as Tom, even Tom Brady. He's not as talented as Tom Brady, mm-hmm. but he is trying every bit as hard as Tom Brady did uh, into his you know 45, uh, 44, 45 years old. This guy is putting every every ounce that he has mentally, physically, you know, for him to, you know, when he put on the. Uh, you know, the brainwave thing and he's watching the video and uh, it teaches him how to refocus whenever his eyes aren't like staying right. focused. I mean, all this, all these gadgets and everything he's taking, he's taken um, advantage of uh, was impressive to me. Um, now, in saying that, sometimes I, I feel like um, maybe sometimes he doesn't know when to turn that off mm-hmm. and just play. Uh, but maybe he did a little bit last year better in the uh, with with O'Connell. Obviously, as we will talk about about yeah. another moment in that that series yeah. is that he's certainly more comfortable around O'Connell than he is uh, uh, Mike Zimmer. He's more comfortable uh, uh, calling his uh, his quarterback sneak okay. on his own. <laughs> we'll talk uh, about that one. But but yeah, yeah. that's that's what I came away like looking going like yo. Uh, it's I impressive. It's impressive how much. Gonna- how much it, it matter? How much he cares? Yes. And I, you know, he wasn't putting on any. You know, they spent a year with him, and this is not. Uh, I wasn't really surprised by anything uh, that I saw from him. It was just kind of a, you know, an exclamation point on who he is, personality wise, and how much he's trying, how hard he is trying to be good at what he's doing. I don't. I don't. I mean, because the camps are so dug in, either love him or hate him. You know, uh, I don't know if it'll change anybody's mind, but it's certainly got to make you take a different look at him because, you know, I, I know how I've always felt about Kirk. I always felt he's, he's a decent, he's above average quarterback. He's, he, he, uh, he gets a bad rap for things. 
I don't know that he's got what it takes to get them to the pinnacle because I think there's some intangibles he doesn't have. And, and but uh, I came away with a little bit more respect for him, seeing how much hit he takes, seeing how much he cared about it, seeing how much he did to get healthy. Did you know this? You know, I didn't know this, but I bet someone like you did. He would take Tuesday off every Tuesday off during the year. Uh, uh, would not even come into the and that this they this came up in later in the podcast. He's he right. Tuesdays off and does not even show up in the building, you know. Well, yeah, I think and I think that's part of, um, you know, believe me, if Kirk felt like he needed to cram something else in there into that Tuesday, he would do it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's part of the, you know, it, obviously it helps his family, helps his wife. Uh, as she as she explained, at least I know I I've got Tuesdays with him. Uh, right. Right. Things like that. I think you know overall it helps him, uh, but. You know, there was something early, one of the first or second episodes where he's with the, the team psychologist. He said they started doing this with it. He started sitting down with the psychologist, the team psychologist more, uh, Dr. Uh, Brownell Mack. I didn't know that that, that they had that guy, but, um, you know, it makes sense. And, and there was one where he's sitting there and he's like going, you know, the guy's talking and Kirk is writing notes like he's in, right. you know, he's in sixth grade, you know, trying to, you know, so. <laughs> Uh, and he said, Kirk said, I, you can't play the position without giving yourself the grace to make mistakes. And that to me is like for Kirk to say that. And it's like he's wrestling with it. Yeah. If I were to put it in a nutshell, how I try to describe Kirk Cousins, at least what I, how I feel when I watch him, uh, like handling things and playing is that uh, he doesn't he's 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 probably spent a lot of his life in his career, not with that, not giving himself the grace to make a mistake. So he, while he's had fantastic stats, he probably, he hasn't had those as many moments where he's led a team not caring about, you know, he's it was like a Brett Favre. I mean, Brett Favre didn't care about, mis- Brett Favre mistakes were they, I would say they rolled off his back, rolled off his back, but they never reached his back. And Brett just kept <laughs> going, you know, and that made Brett a winner. And I think we saw a little bit of that last year with Kirk. Um, cause he did make some more mistakes. His stats weren't as great, but I think he played the position better, um, you know, better than he has. And the other thing that this really hits home about is just how freaking hard this is. Um, the, the verbiage and, and, and the, yes. you, know, you, get a, you should get a new respect for Kirk, Yes, you know, having 2015, 16, I believe was the last time he had the, um, uh, my screen went out. Uh, was the last time he had a, the same play caller back to back years? Yeah. So the same offensive coordinator. So you know, could you imagine? I mean, him putting, uh, you know, all of that every single year has, has been has been how he's had to do you this. Gotta make mistakes. So I think. You gotta make. Mistakes. So I think that's gonna. I think that's gonna help him. That he's he's got a, a guy, you know, that. I mean, he wanted to start from ground zero again and work his all the way up again this year. Let's let, let's go to that uh, what you referenced earlier the relationship between uh, Kirk and KOC and you know, a couple things for me a with KOC the few interviews they had with him it looked like he was just did not want to be there you know because Kevin O'Connell is usually you know he's always smooth and 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 he's prepared for what he's going to answer and he never says too much but you know you know they had these they had this one time where, you know where they're talking to him and you can see that he's struggling how to how to smooth it over a little bit about Kirk and the other thing is Kirk I feel like on the sidelines he's so jacked up he's so wired 
O'Connell's telling him something. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And over and over again, you saw this. It's like, Kirk, just listen. <laughs> just listen to your coach, what he wants to do, you know. And then they had what you talked about was the play against the Bills. Uh, when, uh, you know, and this, this for me, I was vindicated on this one because when they were lining up for that, that, uh, goal line play that that would have gotten him the lead or you know late in the game and i just yelled at the tv do not sneak this do not sneak because i could just feel it was coming i mean i just uh, i didn't think kirk is big enough guy to, to poof the line and get him in so koc agreed with me he had a different play called is that right is that how that was and well no uh, you know and and we talked about this the last week when we were talking about o'connell strengths weaknesses all this stuff yeah. Um, his greatest strength probably is the fact that he can befriend these players, and right. and he and he can get a lot out of them that way. He can get a lot out of the quarterback because he's younger. He played quarterback. Um, he's friendly with him. You know, he brings a lot out of Kirk in the in that by being that way. And my, you know, what I said last week was, can he switch the? Can he, you know do that and walk that line between there's going to be times where it's your team. You're the coach. I'm not saying you got to go Vince Lombardi or, or kick someone in the shins, like, or throw gum at them or something like Oditka, but there's times where it's good to be their friend. And there's times where it's, I'm the boss. I'm the head coach. Right. I'm in control. This is my team. And we, we do this. Do you understand? Do the players respect that? I'm not saying Kirk doesn't respect it, but we saw that we saw a time where he calls he called the quarterback sneak without checking with his head coach. Right. right. It didn't work. Comes to the sideline and and O'Connell walks up to him and goes, you know, and he knew the answer, but he said, You you called that on your own? <laughs> and and Kirk was like, Yeah, yeah, I thought I could get in. And and then O'Connell was like, just you could tell he wanted to scream and yell. Like Zimmer yeah. would have both eyeballs would have shot out of his head. If that had happened with Zim, but he probably wouldn't have done that with Zim. Uh, but so like, you know, Kirk is like un, unruffled. He's like, yeah, yeah, I thought I could get in. And, and it, O'Connell was like, you know, I was going to call a timeout. And yeah. it's like it, it, it didn't look like a coach quarterback relationship at that point. It looked like a, a quarterback friend relationship. Like, uh, you know, I was going to call a timeout. I could have I could have put you in a formation that would have helped you. Uh, you know, I, you know, maybe the afterwards or they, you know, they had more of an understanding, like don't do that again. But that to me was uh, an example of that's where I think Kevin, uh, I'm not going to call it a weakness. Uh, well, it, it's kind of a weakness that you, you're not, you're not in control. Of your if team. it happens a lot. Well, I'm just saying he, he got bailed out because Josh Allen fumbled the snap in the next play. <laughs> I mean, that would have been a huge, could you imagine if they had lost that Bills game, didn't make the playoffs. And because O'Connell was like, you could see how deflated he was in that moment. Cause he, he, he was like, we lost the game because of this. And my quarterback made his went rogue and called his own play on the goal line. Uh, I was going to call a timeout and I was, you know, he lost complete control of his team in a critical moment that could have, you know, been a huge uh, turning point in the season or, or so, breakdown so in the season. Scared? So yeah, to me, it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I want my head coach to be a little more in control. Doesn't have to yell and scream and browbeat him, but be in control. You're saying that uh, the atmosphere that KOC presents allows a comfort for Kirk to, to go rogue or to, you know, to do something he never would have done last year. I mean, he, I, I, 
that, that to me was just when you see it from this perspective, it's just even out of character for cousins. It just sounded like he got full of himself and thought he could get this in here. So he's going to do it. And he never had this leeway last year. And so I don't know. It, it was, it was, it, it's crazy that it even happened now that yeah. I see it from this. Perspective. Yeah. And I guess, I guess it's uh, and, and, you know, here and from a media standpoint, you know, we don't see these things till after the fact. Right. And, and obviously whenever they come in and they're, they're in a press conference, I don't know what, I that that was probably not even asked uh, because they won the game, you know. Mm-hmm. But had they lost the game, and uh, there would have been a question about, hey, you know, why did you call this at the goal line or blah 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 blah. blah. You know, O'Connell's not going to stand there and tell the truth. You're going to say, well, Kirk Cousins called the play, you know. <laughs> so we see a new. You see when you have back when you have behind the scenes like this, you see just how sometimes it, there's no way they, that he would have told the truth. In the press conference, he might maybe you would have pulled someone aside and, and on background, maybe, but uh, or guidance, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was a that was a big part of the season, could have been a huge part of the season if they didn't make the playoffs. And here's a quarterback, so that's a that's a fine line that uh, you know, great, he's a first year coach, so maybe you, you I've got to grant him a little bit of leeway on, on how to going forward, how do you walk that line of you know, yeah. your. You're a modern coach who's more of the kumbaya friendliness, and you know you're you're making sure that Justin Jefferson knows how to get to your office because he didn't even know where Mike Mike Zimmer's office was. Oh my goodness, you know Mike Zimmer hated him because he didn't walk you know skip with him up to his office. Um, so you got to be that guy, but you also got to have a little bit of uh, you know presence to you. Uh, to to be in charge of your team yeah. and the the inmates run the asylum in this league and but you've got to have you've got to have the uh control i mean you could even look at it from when uh you know later in the series when when uh, uh patrick mahomes gets hurt uh in the playoff games and he wants to stay in he wants to stay in and Andy Reid says no and he and and he's over there throwing a fit and screaming the f word f bomb and you know I think Andy Reid has control, but you know, here's, here's Patrick Mahomes who was not accept the fact until he finally yanked him out of there. He went and got extra and came back out and finished the game. So it, it is a fine line to walk. Even someone as, as, as seasoned as Andy Reid is not always in control either. You know, well, uh, Andy, Andy Reid right now is the perfect mixture of old school, new school, uh, new school in the fact that, uh, as you as you see how like on Wednesdays and I, I've, I've done stories on Andy Reid uh, through, you know, Brad Childers telling me Andy Reid stories. It's fascinating to talk to him about him, uh, just how open he was like Andy Reid is constantly, whether it's high school play or Division three or uh, NFL or college or whatever. He's constantly trying looking for new plays. So when these players get together and you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who's thinking outside the box because he can play outside of the box and all these things. He lets him do it, and uh, but yeah, but then also on the other hand, Andy Reid is in, is is always in charge because he was like he was joking. He was saying, uh, you know, I love all these ideas, but I still have fifty one percent of the vote, you know. Right. Uh, but right. yeah, you can't compare. I'm just saying, Kevin O'Connell. That's a that's a line that that's a that's a good learning point for him. That's a it's a line he's got to walk. Yeah. You know, Andy Reid's been coaching since uh, since you know, Kevin O'Connell was in grade school, uh, probably, uh, you know, yeah, he, he well. probably knows where he can lower the boom and not. So, he, you know, it was a, it was a good learning experience. I think yeah. Kevin O'Connell did a hell of a job in his first year, but I'm sure there's points like that where 
how can how can I be better? How can I be uh, more assertive? Like you know, if he wanted a timeout, he needed to get a time, and he wanted it. He needed to find a way to get it, and the quarterback yeah. needed to know that. That's true. That's a good point. Um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier. Yeah, you said it. It, it Kirk comes out and it's a good light, and I think he does. I mean, I. I uh, his personality was slightly different when I used to be in the locker room with him and I, you'd only see him the one gang bang that they have each week. And he seemed real polished and holding things back. And he was always, you know, more, you know, uh, he didn't want to reveal anything. Uh, he, he was very revealing here and he certainly showed who he is. I mean, he really wants it. He cares. He works and he grinds to, to, to get prepared for the game each week, which is nice to see. And I'm sure most of them do. They have to, but when it, juxtaposing his personality with Mahomes, you know, Mahomes makes a play and it's, that's what I do. That's what I do. You know, just screaming, screaming all the way down, you know, the field and then screaming at the other guys where Kirk, there's not a lot of self-congratulatory pats on the back. You know, even if guys are trying to, you know, he, he's great back grinding to the next thing. Maybe it's because he's so wired or what, but I had a little more respect for that, that he's not just, you know, yeah, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. You know, he's out there uh, yeah, I mean, it's doing his thing. Just, just different personalities. It I mean, is. It is. Um, neither one of them's wrong. But I, it, for me, I kind of like that Kirk, you know, uh, he's so into it. I mean, he, I think he's a little too wired because, and even Kevin O'Connell said that and he's got to chill out a little bit, but uh, you know, Kirk, you can smile. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Well, there was, well, I think, I think he did come out of his shell a little bit with the, you know, the dancing and on the chains and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. But what I, what I kind of like about him is, you know, he's not afraid. I mean, the, you know, the dad jokes and the, the shirts and everything, it doesn't, I mean, Usually you don't develop that till you're like in your fifties. You don't care what the kids say about you. Like, you know, like we do, you know, fifties and sixties. Um, but like Um, Kirk, you know, Kirk, that shirt, I mean, that shirt, you know, it gets you, it gets you money off in the golf course. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) But like he, he wore that shirt. That, uh, what was the joke about Coles? Uh, It's Coles. Oh yeah. Yeah. He had, he had some extra Coles cash. And I laughed because it's like, you know, I didn't get this shirt at Coles, but I get a lot of shirts at Coles. Uh, and I know exactly what, you know, and he doesn't care. I mean, Kirk yeah. doesn't, obviously doesn't shop yeah. at Coles, but his wife might. His wife was pointing at all she those dresses shirts. him. You know, I tell you what, the, uh, every shirt in there probably looked like something I got around the corner <laughs> here uh, for when I, you know, do my dressing up, you know. Uh, so, yeah, he's not he's not afraid of that. And, and let's, let's be honest, another reason and I should have included this when I've tried to play a psychologist and say why people don't like him. A lot of it has to do with the the vaccine. I mean, he was the, he was the face of the anti-vaxxers and people, you know, on the other side of that argument, you know, they wanted to tell Kirk Cousins exactly what to do and what he should do. And he held firm. And whether you have an opinion of that or not, um, you know, it's still a free country and that was his decision. And he followed the rules. And for whatever reason, we could all, have our opinion on what he should or shouldn't have done, but we don't get to make that decision for him. And so it's replaced by anger and hatred and, 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 you know, back, you know, and, and I think Kirk uh, is good with the media. He's really good with the media last year, but uh, Kirk had about a year or two there where he kind of went into a shell a little bit, I think, um, mm. in, in, in trying to reveal answers yeah. uh, or be revealing because uh, when, when, when he had, when that when we got a, a crack at him with the um, 
for the anti-vaxxing interview, basically, or press conference. Uh, you know, he, he took a lot of pointed questions that I don't think he, you know, he, he was trying to he was trying to answer them in an airbrush way, which is hard to do. You know, uh, if he'd have lost his cool and said, listen, it's my 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 decision and screw you guys, uh, that would have wouldn't have gone over. Well, so he didn't really know how to handle it. And I think he yeah. just kind of was like, I, you know, I'm kind of tired of this. Uh, but I thought he was really good last year in, in the interviews. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I, I like the guy. I like the guy. And, and, and the thing is, and I would tell this to him is, you know, when he plays well and he does extraordinary things, you know, we're right there. Say, yeah, that, that's, that's how a quarterback you're paying that, this kind of money to that's, that's him right there. But then whenever he has these where he overthinks and over processes and they have a three and out and it helps lose the game. then it's like, no, you need to be better in that situation. It's, it's obvious. He knows that. One, one other point I want to bring up about him in the series that, and this probably has more to do with the producers of the series than Kirk, but I really felt like they didn't, they didn't run away from him, but they didn't harp on his Christian faith. You know, you knew it was there. Maybe, maybe it's because I knew he's, 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 uh, he doesn't wear it out. He, he, he's open about it. He doesn't wear it on his sleeve and he's not constantly in your face with it. And throughout the, most of the series, it, they did, you, you might get bits or pieces, but it wasn't huge in there in front of you. And then at the end, they ended up with some of it. It was really nice because it, it, at the end, when his season's over and stuff, it just showed you him you know, praying with his kids and stuff, or I can't remember what it was, but I thought it was really nice because it is who he is. And I'm glad they said that because I noticed that too rubs some people the wrong way about Kirk, you know, the fact that he is very open about his, his faith. So I thought, you know, it, you know, maybe, maybe he was talking about the whole way through and it never got in, but Kirk had got to view the, the, uh, anything that they were going to do before it was aired. So he was fine with it. So I thought they handled it well. I guess it's a long way to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, that, that speaks to the, one of the biggest problems we have in our country right now is we're all trying to live each other's lives. We're all trying, we're, we're like, like living our life isn't enough. You know, we're trying to, yeah. Joe, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need, it just, you know, he's a Christian and he, and he, and he likes to be that. And, yes. you know, why, why, why should, People, you know, it, it's wrong for people to, to tell him what he should and shouldn't say. And and it just like, yeah. I don't think Kirk's telling people that, that aren't Christians what they should do. You know, so. yeah, I agree with you. So I thought they handled it well. Did you see his, his trophy room? Yeah, have- and I, I'm sure there's people that will say, well, these guys own trophy. Yeah, I thought it was cool. And I thought like, where, where where it was, you know, he's, you know, kind of said tucked off to the side or whatever. Yeah. and. It's not out there in your face. It's, you know, you got to go back in here and find it. And that's cool. You should be able to have that. And he's got all these, he had all these game balls that he got from primetime games and Sunday night games. And he goes, you know, just, he was kind of tweaking the reputation. I can't yeah. wait for primetime because he had all these game balls from up there. So well, and he, it, and he makes a good point about that. Cause I always go back to the, um, there, there's times where he plays like crap on, on primetime, but there's also times, I go back to that game in Los Angeles, a Thursday night game back in maybe his first year here. Uh, he had a hell of a game, and it was a high-scoring game. Uh, but uh, Jared Goff had a perfect passer rating and threw four or five touchdowns, and they lost 42-38 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not Kirk Cousins' fault. So, um, you know, you can win with Kirk Cousins. You're, you're, he doesn't 
fault. He That's doesn't it. he doesn't cover up the mistakes that an Aaron Rodgers does or a Peyton Manning does right, right. or a Patrick Mahomes does. But there's we're talking about three of the best you know players that, that play the position yeah. ever. So it's like, yeah, he's he doesn't have that, but who does? Yeah, you know, the uh, this league's 103 or four years old, and there's only been a handful of guys that can do what we're seeing, we've just seen in the last couple, you know, few years. Ultimately, I think you and I are both kind of in agreement on this. I think, you know, I, I for me, I, I don't know that it will affect anybody or change anybody's mind, but I hope it tempers their attitude towards Kirk a little bit. The guy did win 13 games last year. You know, and and had the most uh, fourth quarter comebacks, tied a, a league record or what have you. And you know, they won eleven score one score games. It's a league record or something. It's like you know, somewhere along the line, he deserves credit for that. And now that you get to know him, hopefully, I think I'm, I'm hoping some people will climb off his back a little bit more. And uh, well, like you know, we just lost. You know, we lost Joe Cap. All right, Joe Cap is known as one of the toughest quarterbacks ever. Kirk Cousins is, is as tough as Joe Cap. Kirk Cousins is as tough as any quarterback who's played the position. I mean, you know, what I'm saying it's like he is. He's, he's there's a toughness to him. He cracked his ribs. Uh, so I mean, he's 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 a tough guy that won't go down easily, um, and he he's absolutely trying the hardest he can. I mean, and I think that series brings that out. Um, and and. What I like about this, and it's, it's great that Peyton Manning put it together because uh, when you look at what Peyton was able to do, uh, and you know Peyton made it look so easy, you know, yep. and uh, but what goes into like the verbiage and whatever he was having to, uh, or the oh, fact like Nick, like the, the how how you learn that position, and then Nick Nick Mullins telling Kirk uh, a way to learn the verbiage would be to to hear it audibly. So he'd be driving down the road and right. listen to himself and, and repeating the play. And I mean, if someone said that into to one of us, I, I'd remember the first word and the last word. And uh, <laughs> so it's like what it takes to get to that point, not only not only physically to get to Sunday, but mentally for the quarterback is it's unreal. That's a great point. And, and, and you make another great point about Peyton Manning. I thought the same thing. I, I feel like Peyton Manning sitting back here. I'm going to show you people. <laughs> How difficult it is to play this position. What what goes in, you know? Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I mean, we all we all knew it. It's just there's a lot right. of a lot of really good uh, illustrations. I think of, we felt it now. I think we felt it. I did. I mean, God, so well, yeah. To, to have the camera, to have that field level and uh, the zoom <laughs> yes. and uh, the, the bam, you know, it's like yeah, it we was see fun. it. It was fun. Well, uh, and then uh, we're gonna take a quick break and come back with uh, one last quick segment. We got some. Uh, Pro or uh, Hall of Fame stuff to talk about with Mark Craig, who's the NFL insider and votes in the Hall of Fame each year. So come on back to Vikings Territory Breakdown. <clears throat> Welcome back, folks. Vikings Territory Breakdown with Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. Mark, a few side notes just to uh, talk about. You know, speaking of the Buffalo game that we were last segment and Kirk Cousins, there was a play in that game that won the play of the year at the ESPYs with Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. When I think we all know the play where Kirk uh, hangs in there and just throws up a prayer to uh, Justin Jefferson, he comes up and brings it down with the one hand, guy all over him, and the guy actually helps <laughs> helps him hang on to the ball and corral it, and eventually led to the win and called the game of the year for 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 a lot of reasons so uh what'd you think of that do you care does it mean anything well i i think it's it, one of the best plays 
one of the best catches ever. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, the helmet catch. I mean, a few years ago when it was the 100th anniversary of the league, uh, I was on the, I think all the Hall of Fame selectors were on, like, you know, voting on the, you know, the best plays and best, you know, characters, all, all these big, really, it was really a fun thing to do. And I think the helmet catch might have been the best catch. Or the, no, the Immaculate Reception. Yeah. Which, you know, think about when that was. There's no camera that actually can can, can tell you. I saw it live. Got. Sorry to admit that, but I saw it So, live. you know, the camera, does. you don't know if it hit the ground or not. Uh, nope. So, you know, could you imagine? Well, they'd still be reviewing it now if it happened in, in February. If that happened in February, we'd still be like, <laughs> you know, uh, we're under booth review, you know. So, right. uh, but, you know, it's, the helmet catch is probably the most craziest catch ever. And, the, the, and for, for Jefferson with one hand to reach back and pull it away from guy with two hands, uh, yeah, that easily – and that's the game of the year too. That was, uh, you know, so Mike yeah, is the play of the year and the, the game of the year, the win of the year, baby. Except, no, for that, except for that one at the end. That that's kind of the win of the win of the year is usually that Lombardi game. But which one? Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna right. say that regular season. That's the game of the year. Regular season. Uh, my memories are getting uh, faint of uh, Vikings and Lombardi games. Unfortunately, it's been a long time. It's been a while. Well, we had the uh, Hall of Fame inductees this week, and Mark Craig is the uh, uh, the voter from this city, this state, this town, this area. I don't know what, how they divide you up, but you are the one guy that has a vote on the Hall of Fame each year. And you were down in you weren't in you were in Cleveland last week. You weren't up in Canton. Did that have anything to well, do? Well, the enshrinement is actually next week, I believe. Okay. Uh, it's four or two weeks. Uh, it's the first, you know, be the first game of the of the first preseason game of the year. Uh, yeah, it was a good class. You know, I, you know, uh, I th- I feel like Jared Allen. It was it could it should have been his year. I think it'll be his year next year. But we're also having Ju- Julius Peppers come in. Uh, DeMarcus Ware getting in uh, takes a little yep. bit of the log jam away, but then here comes Julius Peppers. Uh, would like to have seen, would like to have seen uh, uh, Jared Allen in this group, but it's a, it's a strong group. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Joe Kleckel, people kind of talked about how is he getting in and Jared Allen not getting in or, or something like well, that. Well, Joe Kleckel was, was, was a senior, uh, senior candidate. Okay. Um, so, yeah. so he uh, you know, Joe was a hell of a, I mean, Joe was a, you know, it's, it's one of those where it's hard, you know, you can't just go on stats, especially, you know, but this is a guy who played anywhere from nose to end. Uh, and I don't know what his sack totals were, but Joe was a hell of a player. Um, uh, he got overshadowed by Mark Gastineau, but I would say that defense when they were good, you know, in the, in the eighties, uh, you know, Joe, Joe Klecko was a hell of a player. Being talking about overshadowed, there's one guy that gets overshadowed every year by the other guys he played with. And that's Jim Marshall and playing with the Purple People Eaters and Alan Page and Carl Eller and Gary Larson. But Eller and Eller and Page are in the Hall of Fame and and uh, uh, year after year after year, uh, Jim Marshall gets passed over. He's on there for the senior committee and he, he didn't make it again this year, right? Well, no, it, he made a cut. He, he made they they had a sixty semifinalists. They they pared it down to uh, to thirty one. Uh, or no, it was uh, sorry. They had thirty one semifinalists for the senior uh, group, and then that uh, next week, July twenty seventh, it gets pared down to twelve. And then of those twelve, uh, three will be presented to the full class. I mean, they they decided to expand. It. Not only did they have the centennial class where they had you know, 17 or whatever it was, or 20, I think total go in, 
you know, now for the this year, next year, and the year after, there'll be three senior candidates that, that will be voted on by the full group. Uh, if they get 80%, which typically they do, if they make it to that, they make it past the senior committee, the 12-person senior committee. I'm not saying it's a rubber stamp into the full committee, but they typically go on and make the Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know, there's three there's three chances of, well, first of all, he's got to make the cut to 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could very well do that. And, and then after that, he would have to get the two uh, down to three. Now, the senior committee, you know, not only it's, those are you know, some of the guys that have been on there forever, uh, and then they, they meet in Canton and they, they have, uh, you know, P- Hall of Fame peers from, from the, their, the, those eras who talk about, you know, who should get, it's all, you know, confidential and everything, like who, sh- who should get in. And uh, now Jim Marshall's obviously been discussed several times in the senior, uh, at this point in the process. Uh, would love to see him, you know, make it that, make it all the way in. It, uh, I feel like he's just one of these, you know, one of these players you certainly can't write the history of the Vikings without him. And I, and I don't think you can write the history of the NFL with, with how he, you know, the iron, he's the, the iron man. And mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, his streak was amazing. Favre ended up breaking his streak with the Vikings, of course. Uh, but uh, defensively, I think he's like 60 games ahead of anyone else. And this is, we're talking 103 years or four years of, of the league uh, was the guy that put Bud Grant's, he and Mick Tinglehoff put Bud Grant's system, uh, like Bud Grant would say, you know, if, if they didn't, if, if Mick and, and Jim hadn't bought in, uh, he'd, he'd, it never would have worked. They would have, they used to call like uh, someone like uh, and when Bud came in, some of his drills, Mickey Mouse, like some of the players, Mickey Mouse drills. And Jim Marshall was a guy who, you know, said he started singing the Mickey Mouse song, you know, M-I-C-K, and, he, and everybody followed him. And Jim was a, you know, Jim was the leader of the team. Uh, and I was also a hell of a player, 130 sacks. What, what hurts Jim is, um, I, you know, if it's being overshadowed by, you know, obviously Alan Page is one of the best players to ever play the game. Carl Eller was, you know, was more decorated when he was playing. Jim didn't have any all-pro uh, yeah. and was only, I think, two, two Pro Bowl. Um, that probably hurts him more than anything, but uh, he sure seems like a Hall of Famer to me. Do you see? Do you see any movement at all in the discussion of him? Are you, maybe you're not in that committee, you know, so you don't hear. What I'm not in the committee, so I don't know what they've discussed. I mean, it, some of the other guys in this, uh, you know, Roger Craig is a guy that's now uh, a senior. You know, uh, Albert Lewis last year was discussed, and Clay Matthews, uh, you know, the Browns, Clay Matthews. Uh, were finalists in their final year uh, of eligibility as a modern era player. So now they're like first year guys in the senior. Uh, the seniors, believe it or not, uh, are guys that played no later than 1998. Uh, their last year would have been 1990 and uh, no later than 98. So it's kind of crazy that, you know, soon the, the guys who are in the seniors will be guys who stopped playing in the 2000s. So, there's a, there's a lot. I mean, there's some guys on here that go back to the. There's a um, drawing a blank on his name, but there's a running back for the Packers that played in the in the 20s, um, uh, 20s and 30s. That's on this this final 31. Uh, Roger Craig is on there. He's the first guy to ever have a thousand yards rushing and receiving in the same season. Uh, you know, fantastic player. Randy Gratishaw, uh, Joe Jacoby. 
Lester Hayes. These are all guys that are like sort of like, you know, everybody has their each team has their guys that are like, you know, why isn't so and so in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. For the Vikings, it's typically Jim Marshall leads the way and why isn't he in? But you also have not you know, you're seeing a lot of uh of uh of Chuck Foreman, uh you know, Matt Blair is a guy, uh, yeah. um, you know, these different guys. So but I'd say, you know, for it's for years it was Jim and Mick, Jim and Mick. Mick Tinglehoff got in, uh, uh, let's say 19, oh no. Two years ago. Yeah, 18, 17, somewhere in there. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, you know, just, it'd, be, it'd be nice to see Jim get in while he's still around and uh, if he's going to get in. Because you're not, not like this year, uh, Ken Riley, um, there's guys, there's two guys that have gone in, uh, you know, are no longer with us. And that's, and that's always a shame when that happens. Corey Allen. Yeah, Coriel. Coriel's been a guy that's been discussed forever in there. And so, yeah, it'd be great to see Jim uh, get in. But uh, the other thing is if you don't, you don't get in, and I don't think Jim sits around and mopes about it at all. No. Uh, but, yeah, it'd still, it would mean a lot to him. It would mean a lot. You'd like to see it happen while they, while they could enjoy it. And uh, so I guess uh, what we have to say is what we say often in this part of the, the country is, well, there's always next year. That's what we said in Minnesota. So, And there's always next week. Uh, we're going to be back next week with another uh, edition of Vikings Territory Breakdown. Mark Craig, thanks very much for, you, for your insight and input. Uh, Mike Woldem, thanks for producing behind the scenes. Joe Johnson, thanks for uh, putting us here in the first place. And uh, thank you all for, for tuning in and checking us out. But we'll be back. We're getting closer to this uh, training camp to start and all kinds of things to talk about there. So come on back. And until then, skull. Skull.